good morning. We are now in the book of Jonah. I've been wanting to preach Jonah for so long. I'm so excited for this, friends. You, you know, like as we turn to the book of Jonah, as we turn to the book of Jonah, chapter one, first three verses this morning, I'm so excited about our church. Like, I'm so excited that we want to be a church that takes the gospel outside of the four walls of the church. Like, here's a wonderful thing. In many ways, you're behind that. You're on board with that. You want that, right? Like, in so many of the conversations I have when you have come to us, you have said, this is what we need, this is what we want in a church. This is who we want to be, not a church that tries to reach the culture by becoming like the culture, but we want to go reach the culture. We want to be involved in the community. I love that about you. We love that about us. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. One of the things I love about you is how honest you are. You're very honest. So many of you say, I want this, but I need help with this. You say you want it, but you need help. A little bit of training, right? <laughs> A little bit of guidance. What do I do? That's what I hear from you. We want it, we know it's scary, but we know that it's right and it's good to live on mission for Jesus. We know that it is true and it is noble to live on mission for King Jesus. We know that it is beautiful and soul satisfying to see someone come to church and then come to Jesus that we never would have expected. You tell me this, this is no knock on our brother and sister churches, but you say we've had so many rules about worship services and music. We've had so many rules about the Sabbath and rules about morality and these things. Yes, they are important. Do not hear what I'm not saying. But you come and you say, but we know so little about living for King Jesus on mission and in outreach. What do we do? Help, help. I love that about us. So let's enter into Jonah from this perspective and let's ask this question of the book of Jonah. How does the greatest missionary of the Old Testament speak to us today? Rather than hearing from me, I want you to hear from the Lord and his word. I want you to see his missionary heart on display. I want you to see how his impulse to save people outside of the Hebrew bubble existed long before Matthew penned those famous words of Jesus in the Great Commission. I want you to see what makes your Father in heaven tick, right? I want you to see what's in his heart. I want you to see that the lost are in his heart. Speaking of hearts, did you know that our hearts run on an electrical current? Long before they would use the electricity on our finger to work smartphones, our hearts produce electricity. Did you know that? There's a node right here and a node right here. And this node produces an electrical current that causes the top half of the chambers of your heart to beat. It passes that current on into another node that causes the bottom half of those chambers to beat. It requires electricity for our hearts to beat. In a similar manner, the book of Jonah teaches us it's as if the electrical current that pumps our Lord's heart is the long reach of his redeeming love for really lost people. That is the theme we are exploring, the long reach of redeeming love for really lost people. Brothers and sisters, 
This passion fuels, this current fuels our God's heart. It drives his action in this world. The number one thing that we need to be a church that takes the gospel outside of the four walls is not, I love you, Andrew Earnshaw, but is not another class, a book, or a program, or a technique. We need those brothers, and we're going to lean on you. Melf, I see you. We're going to lean on you too, okay? Hear what I am saying. Well, the number one thing we need to become that church is a heart that beats and pounds with our Father's throbbing heart for the loss, a heart full of redeeming love. If we have that, we will be that church. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is the greatest gift that the book of Jonah gives to Grace Church. It is his heart. So let me say that theme again. It is the long reach of our Father's redeeming love for really lost people. With that said, let's go to our text. Let's hear from our Father in his word. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Here, verse 3, with fresh ears. I know you read it in a children's Bible. I know you've watched veggie tales and seen movies, but hear these words afresh. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from what? The pre good, yes, the presence of the Lord. This is the text we're exploring today. Here's where we're going to go as we explore it. We're setting the table for weeks to follow. Here's our first lesson in how to live on mission for King Jesus. We just need to see his heart for the lost. Here's your outline. We need to see his law heart for the lost, for those who are outside of the church. But we really need to see his heart for the lost who are inside the church as well. That's your outline. His heart for those outside, his heart for those on the inside. That's it. It's that simple. Everything we're banking on today is this. If you see his heart, you will want his heart. And if you want his heart, you will automatically go out and find whatever resources you need to share your faith. You will automatically want to make time. And you're busy. I know it's busy. I feel it too. You'll want to make time in your busy schedule for befriending a non-Christian, and you will have the heart to take that painful, fearful, scary, and awkward first step of getting Jesus on the docket of discussion. But it all starts with this. Know his heart. Know his heart. Let's go to that first point. Let's look at our Father's heart for the lost that are outside the four walls of the church. The three ways, the three ways we see our Father's heart for the lost in this passage is this. First, we're going to see how God pulls Jonah out of a life of comfort. Then we will see the urgency of the call to Jonah to go. And then finally, we will see how horrifying and how horrible those Ninevites really are. Let's go and let's look. Let's look at how our God draws and rips Jonah away from his life of comfort to go to the lost in Nineveh. Let's look at this. 
Did you know that we actually first meet Jonah before the book of Jonah? Anyone know where? 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 through 25. Let's look at that. Let's look at that together. You see, Jonah was a prophet in the days of Jeroboam, actually Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel, when he began to reign in Samaria. The kingdom, David's kingdom, has been ripped apart. We're talking about the ten tribes that no longer follow David, right? And Jeroboam reigned 41 years. Look at this. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This isn't good. This makes the people nervous. Is God going to smite us? Is God going to invoke all those curses upon us? We're nervous we're nervous, we're scared. But look at verse 25. Jonah's ministry was to, to speak a truth. You see, the evil king Jeroboam restored the border of Israel from as far as Lebo Hamath, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord spoken through who? Jonah, the son of Amittai, his servant, his prophet, who is from Gath Hefer. Here is Jonah's life when the word of the Lord interrupts it. Did you catch in that slide that no other prophets are mentioned? It's just Jonah, right? Hosea is a contemporary. Amos is a contemporary. They're not mentioned. It's almost like Jonah is the premier prophet of the day, right? Like he's the premier prophet, and his ministry has been a positive one. It's been an era of warfare, instability, spiritual decay, and decline. Sound familiar? Sounds a lot like today, right? Well, into these downtime, Jonah gets to bring words of hope. Yes, your king is evil, but people of Israel, I will sustain you. In fact, I will expand you. And in my grace and in my mercy, you will know prosperity. In all likeliness, this prophecy of good days, despite spiritual rot, made Jonah very popular. He became a celebrity preacher. Listen to these words from Pastor Colin Smith. Here's how he describes Jonah. He says, Jonah would have been in big demand. If he was in ministry today, Jonah would have a full schedule of speaking engagements, his books would be bestsellers, and his page on Facebook would be bombarded by fans. Jonah enjoyed a good life doing good work in a good place. Jonah had it made. Life was comfortable. It was easy. Our father's love for Nineveh was so great that he pulled Jonah away from this comfortable life, away from comfort, away from security, well-being, everything that Jonah had worked so hard for. The Lord says, bloop, I'm sending you over here. Grace Church, if we want a heart aligned with the Lord's heart, if we want that same electrical current that pumps promise through our Father's heart, if you want to reach Northwest Indiana, be prepared to sacrifice your comfort. You can get all of the evangelism training tips and tricks in the world, but you will never step out in faith. Hear this in love. We will never step out in faith if we love our comfort more than we love the Lord's lost sheep. We've got to be prepared for this. We need the Father's heart. That's a big hurdle to come over. I know, I've lived it. Remember, I wasn't always a pastor, right? We need the Father's heart. When you do have his heart, you will count the cost and you will say yes. And to get that heart, how do we get it? Well, we need to keep seeing it. 
There's other ways we see God's heart for the lost outside the church. Here's the second way I see it in the text. Look at God's sense of urgency as he calls Jonah. Go to verse 1. Look at those words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. The word of the Lord came is a common phrase in the Old Testament. It's spoken about 240 times and is almost always spoken of a prophet, whether they're being called for the first time or they're being sent anew. Jonah, Jonah's call here is actually a little unique. It's a little bit different if you read the other 239. This one is more terse. It's more concise. It's short. It's to the point. It's brief already. We get a sense of urgency. In fact, look at verse 2. The sense of urgency increases when you hear those words, arise, go to Nineveh. Old Testament scholar Kevin Youngblood says, you should read those words, but you should hear these words when you read them. It's like God is saying, up with you, Jonah, off to Nineveh. Do you see how our God gets down to business very quickly? There is to be no delay in delivering this message of repentance, reconciliation, and renewal to the people of Nineveh. Our Father cannot wait. Jonah should not wait. Our Father's love for Nineveh was so great, he called his star preacher to go and to go quickly. There was no time to be lost. It was like a clock was ticking over Nineveh's walls. Grace, if you want a heart aligned with the Lord's, if you want that same electrical current that pumps purpose through our Father's heart to be a hallmark of your life, if you want to reach Northwest Indiana, do not wait. Do not delay. Oh, please be aware of these words. I'll get involved when my children are grown up and leave the home. That's when I'll get involved. I'll have more time. Oh, no. Your children need to absorb these lessons from your example. As you live this way, it will spark conversations with them. Mommy, Daddy, why do we do this? Why are we like this? I'd rather be playing soccer right? Oh, it's our greater love for the Lord, my child, right? Please don't ever say, let me get to retirement, then I'll have time. That's true, and I get that, but I've sat with too many people in the nursing homes who have told me, almost every single one, I wish I had been more active in my church. I wish I had given more time to trying to reach the lost. I should have done it sooner. I had the time. I just didn't make it. Oh, friends, we have no clue what tomorrow will bring. We've been touched by tragedies lately. We do not know the time on the clock that is ticking over our heads. No, we need the Father's heart. When we have the Father's heart, we cannot help but have a sense of urgency. And when we have his heart, or when we don't have his heart, how do we get that heart? Well, let's look at our third way we see the Father's heart for the lost outside the church. Go back to verse 2. Let's look at who God calls Jonah to go to. This is going to be hard. This will punch us in the gut when you see how horrifying, how horrible, how disgusting and repulsive the Assyrian Empire was. You see, the city of Nineveh, was the representative city of the world's first superpower, the Assyrian Empire. They were the United States of their day, but they were bad, we're good, right? I'll just say that. Let's get that out there. They did horrifying things to become the world's first superpower. Let's unpack this a little bit. 
Their violence, their brutality is still to this day the stuff of legend. Here's just some examples, and I've drawn the lesser ones for you. I've drawn the less offensive ones for you. When they conquered your city, they would engage in mass impalings. When they conquered your city, they flayed your defeated king and generals alive. When they conquered your city, they forced your defeated nobles to dig up their ancestors' bones and grind them into dust to say your future lineage, your future past, excuse me, your past legacy is being wiped from the face of the earth. And then they would kill your progeny to wipe your future legacy from the face of the earth. And then, only then, would they kill you to wipe your present legacy from the face of the earth. How barbaric, how brutal. They did even worse things than this that I... Just Google it, is all I can say. Google it, and you'll find it. But then, they engaged in psychological warfare to keep you defeated and make sure you didn't rebel. They would, they would leave people behind with missing body parts in your city as a living reminder, you do not want us to come back. They would carve art reliefs and depictions on your city walls to remind you of the terror they could strike in you. A modern-day art critic at the British Museum has said this, those reliefs are some of the most appalling images ever created in art history. Do you see why in verse 2 the Lord says, their evil has come up before me? Do you see how horrifying and horrible, how gross and repulsive these people are? Oh, friends, oh, friends, God is not just sending Jonah to a mighty empire. He's sending his celebrity preacher to the worst society that the devil has to offer. Yet he's going to bring them to repentance. He's going to bring them to redemption. He's sending his celebrity preacher to call them to turn to him so that in his redeeming love, he can save them. Do you see the depths of the Father's redeeming love? Do you see the long reach of his redeeming love? Do you see his heart for the really lost that are outside of the church? There is no one he won't send. There is no one he cannot reach. In fact, if you are here and you're not a Christian, could I ask you this? If we knew the real you, do you think we'd find you gross and repulsive? If God knew the real you, do you think the Lord would find you gross and repulsive? Good news. If the Lord God was displeased with Nineveh's atrocities, yet he acted to save them, then you can come to him too. You are never beyond the long reach of his redeeming love. Is the Lord God showing you his heart for you today? Oh, come to it and let today be the day of your salvation. Grace Church, our Father's love for Nineveh was so great that he was willing to forgive these serious, intense, gross, heinous sins, crimes, and even like war crimes. 
His forgiveness is not limited to us here inside the four walls of the church. It goes out, it pushes out, it thrusts out, and it reaches for more and more. Grace, if you want a heart aligned with the Lord's heart, if you want that same electrical current that pumps purpose through our Father's heart, if you want to reach Northwest Indiana, do not ever write anyone off, no. Don't ever treat anyone like they're too far gone, they're too gross, they're too icky for redeeming love. We have no clue who his elect are. Our job is this, it's to go and find them. We need the Father's heart. When you have it, you will count the cost, but you'll never count anyone out. Oh, Grace, are you seeing his heart? Are you seeing the long reach of his redeeming love for the really lost? Are you getting that heart? If not, Let's look at our next point. Let's look at our Father's heart. Let's look at his heart for the lost. Let's look at his heart for the lost of those who are inside the four walls of the church. Let's look at Jonah. What do I mean the lost that are on the inside of the four walls? Yes, there are people in the church who think they are a Christian, but they are not. There are people who put hope in their biblical knowledge, their knowledge of a catechism, their attendance, their Sabbath worship, their giving record, how clean and pristine and squeaky their life looks, but on the inside, there's rot. Yes, there is that, but that's not what I'm getting at, right? Like, am I saying that Jonah's not a Christian? We won't see him in heaven, that he's not a believer? No. Here's what I mean by lost. As we unpack Jonah's flight away from the Lord, we're going to see that in some ways, he is just as godless as the Ninevites. There's three ways we're going to see how godless Jonah acts. But here's what we've got to do first. Verse 3 is a challenge because you all know it. You know it. You've heard it. Raise, don't raise your hand, but have you ever not heard the story of Jonah? Right? But like you know it, so we've got to get away from the familiarity. You know Jonah did not go to Nineveh. You know that he went to Tarshish. Some of you even know that, that if, if Nineveh is in modern-day northern Iraq and Jonah is supposed to go east, you know that Jonah booked a boat for modern-day Spain and went in the opposite direction. You know that. You've heard that. I could tell you that, and you'll go, yeah, okay. That's right. I remember that. That is bad. That's bad, but that doesn't do it justice. That does not go deep enough. No, it does not go deep enough. Here's what we need to do to really unpack Jonah. We need to get into a Hebrew mindset. We need to remember how we view the world. In fact, put up the image of the world. This is how we view the world. We are in a NASA society, a post-Christopher Columbus society. We have the Hubble telescope. This is what we think of when we think of the world, right? But here is how Jonah and ancient Israelites conceived of the world. Let's go next slide. We're in the days, yes, of a flat earth. An earth where all the land is in the center, one great big island with Jerusalem. Hang on to this. Jerusalem at the center. The highest point. The place where God reigned from. And everything went down into a big hug by the ocean, by the waters. Think of the oceans in their mind as a great river surrounding the earth, and beyond that were great mountains that formed the boundary of the earth. We need this in mind, because when we have this map in mind and we do the geography, you're going to see how deep Jonah's rebellion runs. Let's do the first thing. Let's do the first thing. Look at verse 3. To see how hard Jonah's heart is, look at verse 3. Do you see how the words went down appear twice? 
That is not by mistake. That is important. Now go back to our map. Jonah went down to Joppa, away from the center of the world. And then he went down again into the belly of the boat. Jonah is going from the blessed heights of the promised land down to the coast, down into the ship's belly. And next week we will learn that his downness will be completed when he is thrown into the depths of the ocean. What's waiting for him in the Hebrew mind in the depths of the ocean? You see that dragon? My boys are like, cool, I like this, right? Boys like dragons, right? We're killing them. That dragon is called Leviathan. You can read about him in the Psalms. You can read about him in the book of Job. God consistently defeats Leviathan. Why? Because that dragon is a symbol of all of the forces that are opposed to God. Chaos, disorder. This is why the Israelites were landlubbers. They were scared of the oceans because that is the greatest fear. Jonah may be physically headed west to Tarshish, but spiritually, Jonah is going down. He will be in league with the forces that oppose God. Why? Also, he doesn't have to tell the Ninevites to repent. Also, he does not have to share his God's redeeming love with the Ninevites. That's a hard heart. That is not the Father's heart. Jonah is lost. Do you see what I mean? But that's just the first way. Let's unpack this a little bit more. There's more. Let's learn more about Jonah's destination. Let's learn about Tarshish, right? Go with me to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 19. The Lord God says, I will send survivors to the nations to Tarshish, to the coastlands far away, that what? Have not heard my fame. God's word is not yet there. God's glory is not yet there. Jonah is going to a place where God's word has not yet arrived. What does that mean? A prophet who speaks God's words is going to the place where he will never have to hear God's call again. Did that sink in? Do you see the hardness of Jonah's heart? Why? Also, the Ninevites won't hear of the long reach of God's redeeming love for the really lost. If they did, he knew they would be drawn to it, and he did not want them to have this. Do you see Jonah's hard heart? This is not our father's heart. Jonah is lost. Here's a final detail. Jonah was a prophet. The prophets, every single one of them, received an incredible privilege. As you read about Elijah, Elisha, as you read the call of Ezekiel, the call of Isaiah, they they say things like this, I stand in the courtroom of the Lord. That was a distinct privilege. It's how you knew you had a true prophet. Number one, did the prophecy come true? Number two, have they stood in the Lord's heavenly court? Sounds weird, sounds supernatural, but that was the criteria you had to meet. Jonah got to stand in the heavenly courtroom of the Lord as a prophet. What greater privilege is there? And look at where Tarshish is. Look at where Tarshish is on the map. Tarshish is as far away as you can get from God's courtroom. Jonah is quitting. He's taking his toys and going home. He will not stand in the presence of the Lord. Jonah says, I know the penalty of rebellion is to be cast out. 
I will take that penalty. I will banish myself. I will exile myself. I will no longer stand in the presence of the Lord if it means that the Ninevites won't repent and God's wrath will come down on them. Do you see Jonah's hard heart? This is not the Father's heart. Good, clean, Bible-knowing, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, knows his catechism, went to Sunday school. Jonah has rebellion tucked away in his heart that God is drawing out. Jonah is lost, even if he's not yet lost at sea. As lost as Jonah is, we need to see God's heart for him too. The Lord has not given up on Jonah. This is God's great grace. This is the long reach of his redeeming love. It goes down this far. Watch, watch, watch. This is great. The Lord knew. The Lord knew that Jonah was going to run, didn't he? Psalm 139, from our call to worship, the Lord is everywhere. He knows everything. Yet he still called Jonah to his service. That's grace. That's love. Our Father in heaven knew where Jonah's breaking point was, and he pushed the button. God the Father knows our breaking points. He knows our lines in the sand. He knows the point at which each one of us will say, God, if you cross this line, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm out. He knows the point at which you will do that with his other children. He knows the point at which you will say, cross this line and cast me out. He knows that. And he still called you to him. What grace, what love. Do you see the Father's heart pumping for Jonah? Do you know the Father's heart pumping for you? Don't you want this heart? Don't you want your heart aligned with this kind of love, with this kind of grace, with this kind of mercy? Yes, we want it. What's the second way we know that God has not given up on Jonah? How do we see God's great love for the lost inside the church? Go with me here. God will still use Jonah. You all know if you just go to chapter three, God's gonna give the same call. Jonah obeys, right? Jonah obeys and he preaches the shortest sermon in history that ushers in the greatest revival in history. And guess what? In chapter four, what do we learn about Jonah? He's cranky, he's pouty, he's boo-boo faced. We call it fish lips, right? That's Jonah at the end of the book. God still uses him. He gives them insight into this amazing miracle, this amazing revival. You know what? All of our hearts need softening. Our God still uses us. Our hearts need to be softened over things that have happened to us or people that have hurt us. Oh, but nevertheless, we have hardness in our hearts, but he still uses us. He wants to use you to advance his message of redeeming love in Jesus Christ. Do you see the Father's heart pumping for his son, his lost son, Jonah? Do you see the Father's heart pumping for you in your hardness and sin? Do you see the Father's heart pumping for the person that you detest and do not like? Don't you want your heart aligned with his? Oh, I need that. Number three. There's another way to see the Father's heart for Jonah. I'm pretty sure, you don't have to agree with me, I'm pretty sure God changes Jonah. Even though Jonah is pouty and boo-boo-faced and wants to take his plant and his toys and just go home at the end of chapter four, I'm pretty sure God changed Jonah. 
Again, you can disagree with me. Why do I believe that? Because the book of Jonah closes with words of hope. With God saying, Jonah, I gave you this plant. You care about it. You're boo-boo-faced over this plant. You had pity and compassion on it. You didn't even plant it. Why would I not have compassion and pity on this great city? Who are you to tell me not to have compassion and grace and mercy and forgiveness that I exercise towards them? How do we know that Jonah more than likely got the message finally? It's because we have the book. No one else in Israel would have known this story had Jonah not gone back and told what he told. I mean, Jonah puts in some very unsavory aspects of his life. If Jonah had not been changed and he went back and told this story, he'd have been all about being that celebrity preacher. Yeah, look what the, I, the Lord, you know, used me to do. You know, 120,000 people, no big, all in a day's work, eight words. But Jonah shares some really gnarly details, right? This is, he could have gotten fired as a prophet, right? Like people are like, you went back on the Lord? Uh-uh, you ain't prophesying my future, right? Jonah doesn't do that. This is evidence of a changed person. And if God will change Jonah, then you can rest assured that he will change you too. He will change you too. Do you have the Father's heart of redeeming love for the really lost? Do you ever see yourself as really lost in your hardness of your heart? Does your heart beat in sync with the Lord God's heart above? Does his electrical current of love drive you forward on mission for the lost? If not, he wants to change you, just like he changed his son, Jonah. And how? How? How can he change you to have more of his heart for the lost? This is going to be another theme. Look to the true and better Jonah. His name is Jesus Christ. You see, whereas the word of the Lord came to Jonah, but he rejected his task, Jesus came as God's word in the flesh to accomplish his father's task. And what was that task, Grace Church? It is this. Well, whereas Jonah was commissioned to bring a word of judgment against Nineveh, Jesus was commissioned to be the word of salvation from the Lord for you and for me. And how did Jesus Christ accomplish that task? Well, whereas Jonah ran to get as far as possible from God's presence so that Nineveh would know God's wrath, Jesus Christ voluntarily was removed from God's loving presence on the cross to absorb God's wrath for you and for me. You see, because Jonah did not have the Father's heart, he did not want sinners like you and me to live, he wanted them to perish. But Jesus Christ gets it right where he does have the Father's heart for us, and he did not want sinners like you and me to perish, so he came and died that we may live. Here's another way Jesus accomplished his task. You see, whereas Jonah's heart was full of self-righteous pride over his enemies' gross, disgusting ways that made them seem like they're beyond God's redeeming love, only Jesus Christ has lived as truly righteous, but loving his enemies, you and me, by taking on our gross, disgusting sin to prove that we are not beyond the long reach of his redeeming love, no matter how really lost we are. Yes, where Jonah got it wrong, where you and I get it wrong and condemn others and don't live from the Father's heart, Jesus got it right for us, and that's good news. That's how you get the Father's heart. That's how you get God's redeeming love for the lost 
in your life, you look. You look to how long God reached to bring his redeeming love into your lostness, and you see that it cost him his very life. Do you have Jonah's hard heart? Look to the Lord Jesus and be softened. Do you have the Father's heart? Well, let's go and live it out this week. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father God, your Son has accomplished so many amazing things. Father, we see in your grace how you always send a word of hope, a word of help, a word of salvation. Father God, how we need you and how, how we love you. Father God, please help us to step all the more into your heart, to be changed by your heart, to see our hearts beat with your passions and your desires, Father. Let it change our lives. Let us go out into this week as renewed people. And Father, please, over these seven or eight weeks, grow us in your heart for the really lost. We love you, Father, and we praise you. And all God's people say, amen.